Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Archeris and this week I'm looking for a book to help me our two high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. <laughs> wow, any book? I thought we were supposed Ooh. to bring like a specific That's book. That's not my job. Like, I went through a That's lot of things. That's your job, Joe. Like, I, oh, oh, I see. Uh, Nick, if you were looking for a book this week, I recommend a pretty timely one. It's written by a guy named Robert Gottlieb. You might not have heard of him. He was kind of a big deal. And he died last week. I brought his <laughs> memoir, Avid Reader, written in 2016. Friend of the show. Friend, big friend. I thought it was fan of the show. No. Friend. No. Mm. Uh, maybe yeah, no, you're right. No, no, you're right. It's, it's definitely fan, yes. fan no, of the lit, show, litheads, guys. Litheads have got a lot of, litheads have got a lot of in-jokes in this podcast. And, so uh, many, one of them and is they're all so funny. So they're fun. great. Well, somebody asked me recently, why do you say strongly podcast? And I'm like, what? It's what? Okay. Uh, Did you ask her? The idea is the idea. Don't is, explain them. Jesus. Please <laughs> I want to go back explain. and listen. Fine. Fine. Go back and listen. Have you introduced yourself? Howdy, Nick. Howdy, Joe. And howdy, Litheads. This week, I'm Dr. Pencil Neck Editor Face. I'm a doctor of English literature, and I'm one third of the hit recipe podcast. You don't know lit. I didn't read a book this week, but I whole, have a whole bunch of tears, like a big bottle of tears. You can see my tears and I'm going to shed over <laughs> Gottlieb's death. Okay, great. Collecting my tears. Some of these tears, a full disclosure, these tears might be Gottlieb tears. They might also be Cormac McCarthy tears. Um, it's been a hard week if you're into dead white guys. <laughs> yeah. What, speaking of, what's this dead guy's name again? Oh, this dead guy's name, this particular dead white guy's name is Robert Gottlieb. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> This guy was born in 1931. Wow. Man, old dude. 92 old years dude. old when he died. I think I'd like to live until 87 because I was born in 1987. And I just think that'd be oh. nice. That would be a perfect. It'd be very, very symmetrical. Very Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. And I would like to live to see the year 2100. It will put me at 115 years old, which I think <laughs> would be a nice. Uh, it'd be cool. I'd see three centuries. Yeah, that would be nice, Joe. And I don't care when I die, as long wow. as I'm surrounded by legions of adoring litheads. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. It might take you 115 years. <laughs> <laughs> or it might be tomorrow. Who knows? We go viral today. I die tomorrow from all the love. How do you feel about um, our, our recent author interaction? Tay Keller. Tay Keller. It mostly makes me nervous that the things that we say have an audience. Um, <laughs> every once in a while, something like that happens that and I go, oh no, I should watch this it. Is, this works great when I think about myself as just shouting into a void. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that you two don't really listen to what I say. And the concept that others, <laughs> that others would be listening is just absolutely foreign. So when we give feedback um, from people who say, your show changed my life or Listening to the episode about Moby Dick made me get a peg leg or uh, right. now I'm a butler. Thanks to you. Those really shake me to my core. We, yeah, we had an update from author Tay Keller. Well, Ian, you had the question about how a Newbery Award changes your life. And then she responded, she responded with, yeah, put a pin in that. I'll see you in five years. I'm not sure. either." <laughs> <laughs> Irons in the fire. Uh, I mean, um, okay. Joe, I'm you just, read a book. 
I've read a book. That's great. Yep. Well, welcome, Lidheads, to You Don't Know Lid, a weekly, as we call it, strongly podcast. And if you don't get that joke, I don't know. Let's say it again more slowly. Or every weekly, week. or as we call it, strongly. Yeah, thank I'm you. Yeah. my eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, where every week we typically pick a theme, or you do, and Joni and two high school English teachers bring book recommendations. And just to upset one of them, we pick a winner. Although sometimes we do a cop-out episode. And... Uh, yeah, we still have a loser today, though. Uh, and we have some rules to keep us on track. Rule number one, only unavoidable spoilers. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joe. And rule number three, only winning matters. Joe, how do you feel I about bringing a book that you, and you might lose? <laughs> I, I'm, it actually makes me a little bit nervous. I hadn't considered the possibility before just L- Losing to somebody who's not even brought a book. Um, also, I got nervous when you said only unavoidable spoilers because I want to be totally clear. Robert Gottlieb is dead. He is dead. He does yeah. not die in right. this Right, and book. I feel like right. for, for, a, for a memoir, mm. it's kind of like if someone writes a memoir before they die, which most of them are written almost, before. The, almost all of them. Except yes. for that when breath becomes air. Usually, usually when someone writes a memoir, they have an unavoidable spoiler at the end of their life, which is they're going to die. That's not news though, right? I mean, I think it's been happening a while. With people, people dying. dying, yeah. Joe... Do you want to take 30 seconds and tell us a little about, I assume, this author since it's a memoir? It is a memoir. Nick, Robert Gottlieb died last week. You might not have heard of him, but he might be the biggest name in book editing in the late 20th century. The index of this book is like reading a who's who of writers and books that shaped the Western world. He edited hundreds and hundreds of books over his career, but he only wrote a few. This is his memoir of his life in editing. I bet this is either really good or really bad because you read that many books, the book, his book, mm-hmm. you read that many books, you are, you're steeped in it. And I think this is one of the things I've, I've seen people talking about um, uh, quotes about Gottlieb's work. Everyone said like he got to a point where it was sort of organic for him. It was second nature. Yeah. His edit- editing work was not mechanical. It was not artificial. It was just like vibing and getting it. And he, yeah. he knew that being said, it could be, it could be, it's also just, there's a reason he didn't only right. write a you, you couple edit books, if you, you can't know? write that sort of thing. Is yeah. that true though? Because that's my question. Like, if you're gonna edit, well, hold on. Let me put a pin in my questions. Joe, okay. give pin. us a set. Give us a sense of the work that this guy's touched, because I'd like some little context about how big of a deal he is. I actually wonder if I could if I could chime in here. Oh, that makes a lot a, of sense. Yeah, a <laughs> little a little bit of a game. <laughs> is it a game? It's, it's not. It a, is a game. Okay, it's a game. It, This this game is called Gottlieb Taboo. Um, he's edited a, a whole bunch of famous people, a work from a whole bunch of famous people. And so we're going to play Taboo. I'm going to give you clues about these people and you're going to try and guess them. They're all very well known. Like these are these are not people that you don't. These are not people you don't know. These are names, you know, mm-hmm. um, Joe, I'm going to I'm going to put you on the honor system because you've uh, you probably, I, I, I have been living in Gottlieb world for the last few days. Yeah, so yeah I will. Yeah. I'll, I'll, uh-huh. I'll take but, it easy. But, but if you if you if you don't know or if, if it's um if right, it's not yeah, one yeah, you immediately. Yeah, yeah. Joe yeah, is yeah, the only one okay. listening to this that knows. All right. So the way I'll do this, I'll, I'll list some clues and I'll just kind of keep going with the clues. And eventually. What is taboo? How do you play taboo? Just buzz in. Uh, it, taboo is you don't you don't say the word. I think so he gets to say everything clues. but the author name is yeah. what I think it is. He yep. has to tell you everything yep. about the author. But and I have to guess the celebrity. Guess the celebrity. Okay, I can do that. 
I like you celebrities. Mm-hmm. Some of these, some of these oh, are people great. who are primarily known known for their work, and so I'll just be listing like things that they've done. So uh, we'll start off super super easy. <clears throat> Joseph Anton, fatwa, stabbed in the eye. Oh, uh, um, uh, uh, the guy, the Salvador Ru- Rushdie, Salvador Rushdie, Salman Rushdie, Salman Rushdie, Salvador. Very good. Yep. Uh, you go. You get one Salvador point. Thank yeah, you. He, uh, he's he's edited Rushdie's work. Um, all of it. He's one of. One of no, no, not all of it. He just kind of gets um, around, huh? In the publishing world, there's a good deal of people like are with a publishing house for a little while and then they switch away from that house. Yeah. So a lot of times yeah. he'll have a book or two from somebody and then they get more money from somewhere else. Okay, next one. Um, governor of Arkansas in the 1980s. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Perfect. Got um, it. <laughs> <laughs> Famously, the governor was Arkansan. No, I'm going to keep going. Play the saxophone. Okay. Famously said it's the... Yeah, there we go. Bill Clinton is not a novelist. No. He just... He wrote a book. He probably didn't even write it. Yeah, truly. There's no way he wrote it. Do you think... Brief side note. Do you think that... um, A, do you think if someone comes to Gottlieb with a ghostwritten book and says, I want you to... (laughs) Ghost edit edit this. this. Ghost edit. Do Do you think, A, they tell him, and B, do you think he's at all offended? Wait... Wait, what's the premise of this? Somebody comes to Gottlieb and they're like, I wrote a book, but they're lying Prince Harry. to him. Prince, Prince Harry. Harry. Just yep. say Prince Harry. Brings his ghostwritten book spare to mm-hmm. Gottlieb. Yes. Yep. He's penned his penis chapters <laughs> and he's ready to bring in a professional <laughs> editor. <laughs> please, please. Todger, Todger. It's Todger, Todger Um, A Todger turner. Do you think it's like, when you, when are you, are you up front with your editor? Like, yes, this is ghostwritten. And would an editor be kind of, kind of torqued off there, about I, he knows what well, he, he, he would peg you immediately it would be like a stu- it would be a, like a student plagiarizing in yeah. class like they turn <laughs> something and you're like yeah you did not write this, this you don't Jet know GPT. these words and then this chicken scratch over here that just says todger six times <laughs> i think that's his work that's, that's six drawings that's your authentic voice prince harry <laughs> just a drawing if you haven't listened to our dodger episode all this ghost writing and ghost editing talk really makes me uh think that that's just a really nice way to say liar <laughs> anyway it's, uh, let's it's, uh continue uh, let's let's do two more let's do two, two more. more okay um nick you're on a roll i feel uh it. this is an an actor who wore pants before it was cool she won four oscars oh the first was 48 years the second the last was 48 years after the first one She's known from Breakfast at Tiffany. Oh, um, Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn. Bing, bing, bing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. She has four um, Oscars, really. It's a lot yeah, of Oscars. That's a wow. lot of Oscars. That's a lot huge of Oscars. Gap between, is that the she biggest up, gap between Oscars? Yep. It is. It yep. must be. Yep. And she ended good up. question, um, Joe. Yeah. Good. I like it. Love to hear it. <laughs> um, she ended up kind of has the record except for Meryl Streep. Because Meryl Streep has Ten. approximately 1,000 nominations. Audrey Hepburn is the next. Okay, last one. Dated Carrie Fisher. You can call him Al. Songwriter for Garfunkel. Uh, this must be Paul Simon. It the, is yeah, Paul this is Simon. I, did I didn't know that he dated Carrie Fisher. Who do you think's taller, Paul Simon or Carrie Fisher? I think they're both dead, so. The, mostly the uh, reason I did this Paul, one. No, Paul Simon's still alive. He just released <laughs> him uh, this, this year. In doing this, I am amazed to discover how many like really old musicians are still extremely alive and releasing albums. Right. Um, the takeaway from my game 
is that yes he edited a lot of fancy people and it does not seem to have gone to his head no no nick this book is about um all of those fancy people that he added. Oh, sweet. Does he dish dish the dirt? Yeah, what is this, Joe? What's this all about? So he talks about writing this book and he he lived a a pretty storied life, right? Like he was one of these guys who was famous for what he did while he was still doing it. After he retired from editing, he was kind of retired to a life of some gentle writing. And everybody said, oh. you should really write your memoir. Robert Gottlieb, you have so many stories to tell you should write your memoir. And he said, I don't know. All editing memoirs are kind of the same, is what yeah. he said. Like they pretty much just turn into, and then I worked with this person and I suggested this and then they did it. And the joke that he uses is, is the editor who told Tolstoy, Tolstoy, war is good, but have you thought about writing about peace too? Oof. Let's just sit in silence for that one. Yeah. <sighs> uh. Joe, it sounds like based on what I've seen from his work and excerpts from this book, he seems like he's pretty self-aware about editing and, and kind of cons- he, he seems to have conceptualized it. So one of the quotes I saw was talking about surrendering to a book mm-hmm. um, and the need to like, he, he's, he seems like he's able, maybe Stephen King on writing type thing. Yeah. He's able to, to kind of speak in an abstract way, which might help this not just be. And then I worked with Bill Clinton and he was a, a creator. Part, beautiful. And, and I think the reason he wrote this book is because he had those ideas about editing that he wanted to put out there. Nice. He, he, unfortunately not, not unfortunately for the, for the reader, but unfortunately for his goals, he said, as I was writing this book, though, I realized that this Tolstoy syndrome was absolutely inevitable. Like I couldn't talk about these ideas right. without talking about the writers right. and the books that I that I worked on. Uh, Robin left a one star review that says, did not finish. <laughs> just a lot of name dropping. Hard to be engaged in the story. Who is this book for, Joe? Because okay. it seems like uh, ooh, I have to be a high school English teacher for me to to enjoy this book. Is that true or not true? Sub sub question. Sub question. Is, is this a manifesto? Oh, okay. It's, okay. Good questions. Two good questions. Number one, who's Thank this you. book for? I think this book for or this book is for literary people, right? Maybe Uh-oh. literate people, Sorry. right? But I think catch you later, litheads. <laughs> the, the last couple person. episodes I think have been very fun. You just go check those out, uh, or start at episode number one. Just listen to them all again. Um, th- this book's for literary people. Like this book, uh, the index of this book is something like 18 pages long and it just lists names, oh, right? Nice. Like just lists names nice. in the index. And it, if you know those names and if you can get excited about those names when he's telling this story about like pulling together Raymond Chandler's short stories, like Oops. it's really cool. It, but ding, ding, ding. You just said it. If you if I say Raymond Chandler and you the, say right, the game, right. who, right, <laughs> this book, I think, could really, really fall flat for you. If this book has a thesis statement for editing, right? If this book has a thesis statement, it is if you are an editor and you try to change a book, if you try to change a manuscript into something that it's not, you have failed, right? Like, mm, like, like a book will never be something that it isn't when it first gets to you. Your job as an editor is to help turn that piece of writing into the best version of itself. That's all mm. you can do. Your job is to find the book in the manuscript. Um, 
That's just kind of general philosophy, huh? So, yeah, I mean, okay, give break us off something. Do you want to tell us some some hot salacious stories about sexy celebrities, or do you want to <laughs> tell us some tips about editing? I mean, we're all writers here, Joe, right? Of course. Who yes. doesn't have to write and edit their own lives? And let me give some examples that he talks about. He said, um, "Here's a, here's a writer. His name's his name's Robert Carroll, kind of a famous writer. Wrote this book called The Power Broker. Right? He said." It is the uh, the most meticulously researched, most gripping book I've ever read, right? It was a million words long when it came to me. Mm, and we oh, literally cannot publish a million words in a single volume. So with Robert Caro, I had to convince him to cut out 350,000 words. Of a lot this, of words. Right? Which is like... A separate book, which is it could be multiple separate books. That is an insane (laughs) amount to cut. And he said, and here's the thing. It was so meticulously researched. He'd put so much work into it. It was so good. What do you cut? He said, he said every word was a fight. Like we sat in my office for two years and we fought over the, over the cuts to this power broker. Other people, he talks about writing um, about the first time that he met Toni Morrison when he edited her manuscript. And he says, the first manuscript I ever saw from Toni Morrison, it was like a sonnet. There was nothing wasted in it. He said, what would I have told her? He says, so we talked about commas. We talked about punctuation and it pretty much got published how she turned it in. The main thing I did with her was tell her, hey, Toni Morrison, it's probably time to quit your job and become a writer mm. full time. Like that nice. was the number one. That was the number one editing advice That's that I awesome. gave to her. Um, and he has just story after story after story like that. He talks about how Michael Crichton, the writer of Jurassic Park, couldn't write characters to save his life. So he had to- told him. <laughs> so I love it. Still can't. Still can't. Yeah, so he's like, hey, you really should stop trying to write compelling characters because you're terrible at it. He says, instead, think of it like you're writing a documentary book about something that didn't happen, like a fictional documentary, he said, and the writing just started to pop off. Other people mm-hmm. need chap- help with chaptering. Uh, Raymond Chandler, doc- Raymond Chandler's talents did not extend to punctuation and spelling. That is a quote from the book. Um, <laughs> and, and Doris Lessing, a lifelong friend, refused to make any change that he ever suggested. And after years of this, he said, Doris, why do you want my feedback? You never make the changes. And she said, I just want to know if you like it. God, that's got to be so frustrating. This guy must have a well of patience that is unimaginable because like you just, you can't do, you can't put in that many reps and not know what works and what doesn't work. And just to have authors be like, to not take that outside of You like, you have to either take it all or take none of it. Right. The one thing that's so obvious is for every book that comes across, like what makes that book work is so totally different, right? Like it's so totally different than what made the book before this work. And one of his jobs, I mean, his main job is finding that book is figuring out, okay, here's this million word manuscript. Where's the 650,000 word, like amazing book inside of this million word. (laughs) Get the weed whacker. Does he ever share any examples of books that, he, you know, that the author didn't listen to him and uh, he, he didn't believe in the book. And then it went on to be like a huge hit or something yeah, like that. He's got a few examples of this. He does have a, a kind of tongue in cheek line, but I, I think it's kind of accurate. He says, look, I've worked with a handful of Nobel Prize winners and none of them ever took my advice. He's, oh. <laughs> he's like, but they didn't need it. 
you know, like they showed up with a book that, you know, these people were geniuses. Um, He does talk about a couple of strikes. Um, He turned down the book Lonesome Dove. He also turned down the book Confederacy of Dunces because he didn't get them, he said. Um, Um, And they both went on to massive success, um, staples of the genre. Um, Actually, this is a very sad story, but John Kennedy Toole's mother. um, Nick, you'll remember the Confederacy of Dunces written by John, uh, written by John Kennedy Toole. Ian brought it on this show. The writer, John Kennedy Toole, was trying to publish it. He was not having a lot of success, and he ended up committing suicide before it ever got published. It went on to get published posthumously and went on to, Ian, fill me in here, it, it, win, win prizes. Yeah, the, the Pulitzer, 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 and it was hugely successful, and he, his reputation, Toole's reputation is based on this one book. Yeah. It is. And he's like, I just didn't get it. Like Gottlieb didn't get it. He says, Mm -hmm. I turned it down. We kicked it back and forth for a while, but ultimately we didn't publish it. And when he committed suicide, his mother held me personally responsible for that. Like, 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 (laughs) man, there's a wonderful story early on. He gets hired as as an assistant editor at Simon and Schuster, and he kind of falls into the job. Like he's not really looking to be an editor, but he gets hired as an assistant. And then the head editor, like the guy at the head of Simon and Schuster, dies. And why? Like shortly after he died, Simon and Schuster got taken over by a different company. There was a huge exodus of employees, and he said, and pretty much the kids were running the candy store. I was like twenty four years old when this happened, so I kept editing books. We were making money, so people weren't really looking over my shoulder. And then I introduced myself to Joseph Heller, who had just written, written a book called Catch-22. And I convinced Stay him tuned. to bring it to Simon and Schuster. <laughs> and he says, that was kind of my break. Stay tuned for Catch-22 in a couple of weeks when we have a, an episode about war book. As Joe, so full disclosure, Joe texted us after we were bemoaning the death of Cormac McCarthy. And Joe was like, also Robert Godley died. And we we're all like, Mm-hmm. Who? Yeah. And so Joe had to kind of persuade us this guy's a big deal. And when you start looking at the catalog, you start looking at the effect he had, and then you start to like pay attention to the stuff he's saying about reading and about reading other people's writing and how he's shepherded stuff from early drafts into their final draft form. It's incredible. It's almost like it it, re- it reads to me almost like a fictional character. Not that I'm I'm not being a conspiracy theorist here. But he's been had so many points of contact with so many incredibly influential authors. It doesn't seem like we're going to see the likes of him again. It doesn't seem possible that someone could could be Gottlieb 2.0. This is a book that when I read this, a lot of times when I read memoirs, when I read autobiographies, I read them because I think they're interesting because they give me a peek inside of a world that I don't know about otherwise. Right. When I read this book, I can't help but feel jealousy envy mm. i guess is probably the better envy, way I, yeah. I can't help but feel envy i think oh my god what a life like, like what a life this is amazing like this guy spent his life doing this thing that he a loved b had real thoughts about and c was kind of a genius at the right? best the, ever, the at. Best ever yeah. at right um like on top of that met every influential literary figure of the late 20th and early 21st century and and then c was like i don't instrumental is probably too strong of a word but was part of the part of the process of them telling their stories right they had an important story to tell and he was the guy that they went to 
to help them tell that story. And I think that's absolutely amazing. Like, I think that's in a lot of ways, that's more appealing to me than writing that story is being that person that helps them tell that story. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Joe's a ghost editor. So yeah, I think that the, the goal of this episode um, maybe unspoken for Joe was to persuade us that this mattered. Um, and in, in my meager preparation for today and Joe shared a really cool uh, Paris review interview um, with authors talking about Gottlieb. I'm, I'm in, I buy it. Like this is the, the, oftentimes you talk about memoirs being saying this thing you or, 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 or nonfiction books saying this thing you didn't know about. It's actually super important. That's kind of what's happening here today. And yes, I, I agree. This, this, this is way more important than I thought. All right, uh, Joe, you lose. This sounds very oh, boring. Um, Ian, congratulations. <laughs> You've done dang it again. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, uh, dang it. You know. And since it's a cop-out episode, I will, of course, celebrate my win by telling the Litheads what to do. Uh, let, this is the privilege. Litheads, um, if you want to suggest a book uh, for us to read for the show, you can head on over to our website, youdon'tknowlitpodcast.com. Or you can suggest books for us to read. You can suggest themes for us to, for us to focus around. You can even su- uh, suggest that we send you a sticker in the mail. And I will take that suggestion. You can uh, subscribe on uh, the various podcast players of your choice. I will say this, though. The biggest thing you can do is grab someone by the throat. Hold them against up. Hold them up against Darth the wall. Vader, right? a super villain type thing. Yeah. Violently. And say, listen, listen to you. Don't know that podcast dot com. That's what you can say to them. I wonder if we need a disclaimer anywhere. Hmm. No, I mean, certainly don't. And they also that the cops can't prosecute you for that because it's in the service of art. So that's true. Robert Gottlieb talks about his life and he says, what greater fortune than to be fully occupied with what you spend your life doing? I never thought that I'd been born with more than a healthy slice of intelligence, but I had that Gottliebian energy and I had grasp and luck. What could be sadder than to reach my age and realize that you hadn't made the most of what you'd been given? I never had great expectations for myself or specific ambitions except to do things well and make things work. And I was rewarded with an interesting life and far more recognition than was good for my character. But at least I didn't seek it out. As I began to recede from whatever limelight I'd once been in, I was curious to see how I'd react to having less authority, less public acknowledgement, hoping that the satisfactions of being published might make up for the dwindling satisfactions of being the publisher. I thought that I might feel resentful, even depressed, but it hasn't been like that at all. Recently, I came across some lines from Robert Frost. No memory of having starred atones for later disregard or keeps the end from being hard. And I was surprised to realize that my reactions are the opposite of these. I never felt I was the star. I don't now feel any disregard. And yes, the end may very well be hard, but perhaps fate will be kind. And at least let me keep on reading for a while.